I just want to tell you guys, I'm just here today so I don't get fined. And that's going to be my answer. How many football fans in here know what I'm referencing? Uh, Marshawn this week, his being his uh, usual self from the Seahawks, his answer to everything in a press conference was, I'm just here so I don't get fined. And he went on for like, he set his timer for five minutes. So what I'm going to do, I've got a 45-minute timer. We'll make sure we get out in time for lunch. And everything you ask me today, I'm just going to say, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Now, can I get by with that, do you think? No. Leslie's over here saying, no. She'll come up here on the stage. Wow. Cut that out. Oh, don't snort. That coffee will go right up your nose. Don't do that. She challenged me that I couldn't make her store. I'm trying hard today. But guys, welcome. Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. Not a big deal today. Oh, we have we have today. We would like our kids to go to Kidmo. Don't forget that. Kids, you are welcome to go second through fifth graders. Take off and go have a fun time in Kidmo, your own worship environment. Uh, and guys, if you do have a kid, maybe you're new to Journey and you wonder what that's all about, we have an environment over there specifically designed. All of our kids' environments are specifically designed, age group appropriate, content appropriate. It's not just babysitting or something fun for them to do, although they do have a blast in there. But it is age-appropriate education where they learn about what Jesus has done for them. So it's a great environment for them. But back to Super Bowl Sunday. How many of you could care less today? How many of you, your team is out of it? Yeah, we were talking about that. Josh and I were just talking outside a minute ago and we said, hey, at least it's a tradition. Even if your team is the loser, you should wear your gear today, okay? You should wear your stuff. I might point out today, the Packers were really close. They're closer than most of your teams are. Just, you know, just, just in case you wonder, Josh sometimes wonders that and gets confused about the Bears. The Bears are not there. The Packers were much higher than them. And my, my final comment about the Super Bowl this morning will be, the MVP is not playing today. Aaron Rodgers is the NFL's MVP this year. So just in case anybody didn't know that the Packers had the MVP. But how many of you watch sports and entertainment things? It's filled with characters, is it not? Marshawn is a character. I'll give him credit. Whether you think he's just full of himself or what? Dude, is a character. He's been in the news all week. Just for being a character. I mean, you go into a news conference, you set your iPhone for five minutes and say, I'm just here so I don't get fined. And you answer that every question like that. Then the next news conference, he goes in and he starts with the press. See how you guys are here today. I'm not really sure why because I'm not going to answer any of your questions. I don't really like you and I don't care because when I go home, I don't have to answer to you. That's the way to win friends and influence people, isn't it? Hey, I don't like you guys. You don't go home with me. It only matters what my family thinks, so I'm not going to answer your questions again today. Crazy characters. I mean, the, the NFL's full of them. Every sport's full of them. And you know what's funny? It's the bigger character you are in whatever way, the better known you are. You know, we have today in the entertainment world people that are famous for just being famous. How, how do you get that gig? How do you become enough of a character that you become famous just for being famous and you're, you're just plastered everywhere and everybody's worried about what you're doing or you're taking selfies and, you know, all this stuff. And, oh, look, look, new selfie. Oh, Instagram, look at that. That's important. All these different characters that make up the world. And the thing is, in this room, we're as varied as they are. Realize it or not, everyone here is different. For example... Let's do a little survey again. How many absolutely could care less about football means nothing to them? Look at that. Almost half the room could care less. That is, gosh, I don't know if Josh is in here yet. That's shocking for us football fans. You, you, you don't care. It doesn't even mean anything. Now, today's game doesn't mean, surely it should mean something to you. You know, I can't relate to you now because we're not football brethren. What will we do? Well, in actuality, I'm a bigger racing fan than I am. Football. How many like racing? See, the crowd gets even smaller. There's like three or four of us. We're really outnumbered. We're the real characters in the group. How many of you like to watch golf on TV? Okay, you folks, I'm going to pray because you need to get a life. I mean, there's nothing more boring than watching golf on TV. That's like watching, you know, your gardener go out there and, and clip, you know, hedges or something. Why would you want to watch that? Yeah, I agree. It's beautiful scenery, but, well, he's approaching the ninth green. Oh, oh, it, oh he hit it. it. It's a wonderful shot. Oh, it's in the rough. 
Really? That's exciting? You know, what you need to do is find one, one of your big golf fans, and I've done this to several of my guys. If, if you're in business as I, as I am, I work in the in a, a business office in the in the field of manufacturing, but you know we have customers through and they're entertaining and stuff, and they go to the golf course. This is a great one to start. Now you talk about being a character. This will get them every time. They'll be in there talking about their weekend golfing and everything. Anybody actually avid golfers here? We got one. All right, cool. You stand out in the crowd this morning. <laughs> but avid golfers, this will get them every time. You know they're in here talking at the coffee pot. You know we played so and so on that round. You know, that fairway at so-and-so, man, it's hard. And it, you know, it breaks to the left. And you gotta, you got to be on top of that, man, or you'll go over here in the trees. Or, or what about the water hazard on hole 17, you know, at so-and-so? And I'll just walk up and stroll up to them and say, I'll tell you the hardest hole in Chattanooga. And like, really? I said, yeah, man. As long as I can remember, it's the hardest one. What is it? I said, it's the one where you hit the ball, and it goes, and it rolls up the dinosaur's mouth, and it comes out of his tail over there. Oh, and that just totally changes the conversation. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. You don't know anything about golf. Hey, that's my extent of my golf knowledge is that's a par three, and it's always about six shots for me. So, well, let's move to the next one. But... It's fun to have fun as being a character. But, you know, God can use our unique characteristics. And that's what this is all about today. It's about how being a character can benefit us in life. It can benefit us in sharing the gospel. It can benefit our relationships. And you just kind of got to realize where you fit in. I'm probably not the guy you want to take on a golfing outing because I've never actually held a club other than a putt. But I take that back. Again, being a business guy, I went to a conference one time and I won a set of clubs. And I gave it to one of my buddies. His boy was wanting on here to play golf, and I gave him away because I had no interest in it. But listen to this first verse here from Psalms chapter 139. It's talking about God here. It says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and did me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. That sounds like God has a pretty incredible plan for our life if he was that detailed even in our creation, doesn't it? Do you think God has a purpose for us because of that that matches uniquely? I think that it, it's talking about this, him laying out this thing. He knew, he knew our plans. Our life was actually recorded from start to finish. He knows what's coming up. He knows the paths we're likely to take. And the cool thing about that is, there's no eventuality in those paths that takes God by surprise. And that, that is comforting to me. Knowing that I can be myself, be my own character, and it not take God by surprise and Him still have a plan to use me in my life. Is that pretty encouraging to you? It should be that God has planned it out. He knows you well enough to know how to plan out your entire life for you and allow you to make decisions within that. And that's one of the things that I think sometimes gets frustrating We've talked about that a lot. Next month is um, Valentine's Day, Singles Awareness Day, as some people call it, you know. But we focus that much, so much on relationships, you know. I've got to pick the right mate. And I've got, you know, there's a million fish in the sea and God's got the one that's just exactly right for me. And if I make the wrong decision, my life is ruined. I've, I've picked the wrong one. God's got one over here for me. You've got, it's like the old... Uh, so let's make a deal. You got door number one, door number two, door number three. Well, I picked door number three and I got zonked. It was the camel in the top hat. I didn't win the prize. You know, I picked the wrong thing. You know, you look at those things and you're like, oh, I've got to make the right decision. Well, what if means God is so smart, he knows us so well, he can cover all the eventualities and plans that maybe there's more than one and he allows your life and your own will to pick that one and he can let you run with that, and he knows where it's going to. Think about that. We can't understand God's intellect. We can't understand how deep his plans are and everything, how much he forms us. Look at this next verse from Isaiah. And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. 
we are all formed by your hand. That means as we're going through life, our unique experiences are forming us. Kind of what this is talking about. You know, obviously God formed us in the womb. He made us who we are. I think, you know, a lot of our characteristics, God, God helped form there. But it's our life experiences, guys, that form a lot of who we are. Whether those be good experiences or bad experiences, you know. It, it amazes me just, just how much these things have an effect on us as, as we want to go out and, and share the gospel with others. How much our character and the way God has, has brought us up has changed that. Uh, this morning, how many of you were raised in church, went to church from being a child? That's about a third to a half of the audience. That means there's some of you that didn't have the same experience I did. Um, a lot of folks, they were born in church, basically. You know, it was a big celebration. First Sunday, you take the baby for baby, baby dedication and stuff, and you were in church from the time you were an infant. And some of you have shared that story with me. Others of you, not so much so. You came to, to know about the experience of, of, of following Christ and what it meant to come worship Him later on in life. Some of you may even still be, you know, testing the waters there. But everything we do in life shapes who we are. And God uses those things, you know. What, what would anybody think my background is? Maybe I shouldn't ask that question, being a character. I'm not sure why I got picked to do the character day to day either. I, you know, there seemed to be some ulterior motives. It's like we're all going down looking at our, our sermon topics for this, this Canvas series. And it's like character. And I'm like, I, oh, Scott can do that one. <laughs> Hey, I love characters. I love different people. I love being different. Maybe you've noticed that. How many preachers do you think have a Packers jersey on that don't live in Wisconsin? You know, so some of those poor guys up there are probably still living the dream and hope, hoping things. But yeah, everyone is different. My background, guys, I, I grew up in church. My parents did not. My parents had had, had some maybe the, the experience that some of you have had. They had a bad experience in church. They didn't like going every Sunday. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. So I was kind of on my own. I went with my grand, grandmother most of the time. We had a, a huge Sunday school program in our church. That's For those of you who don't know, that's a, that's a beforehand thing. Kind of similar to what we do over here for our kids, but different. Um, because we all went into the worship service with all the adults. Imagine how hard it is to hold the attention of a second grader to a senior citizen with the same sermon topic. That's the reason we have an environment for our kids. That's a very difficult thing to do. But where I grew up, you went to Sunday school with your peers, and you went to worship service with all the adults. It was always entertaining. I could sit with my grandmother or my peers. If I sat with my grandmother, I could elbow her and make sure she stays awake. She was famous for nodding off. She was the sweetest little lady in church, but she wouldn't. Well, I've actually inherited that. If I get a little bored and a little time on my hands, I can do that too. One of the things I learned from my grandmother in church is how to sleep. So I don't know if that's, that's relative to today's topic or not, but hey, I could do that. But going back to the Sunday school environment, that environment where you're with your peers, well, that would have been great, if, but we divided it by boys and girls. Boys went to their class, girls went to their class. Well, with the boys, there were only two of us. Imagine how tired me and Wesley got of seeing each other from the time we were like in second grade through high school, and those were only the two of us. If we weren't there, there was only one of us. There is nothing more awkward than some 60-year-old guy trying to teach you Sunday school, and you're the only one in there. Like, man, I don't know why I keep doing this. This is not fun. Now, when we got to the age of high school and stuff, the youth, it was a little better because we had some things together with our peers and things. But, you know, some of you have come from that environment. You know what I'm talking about. It's kind of awkward. It's kind of weird. So, so, you know, so you would think the next thing with a guy up here on stage on Sundays, and he's, he's, he's very involved in his church. He, he preaches here. He reaches out. He has a, a ministry where he ministers to the to the addicts and things of the world and those with, with problems that are really deep-seated and things. You know, in my vast Bible knowledge, which you've all experienced this morning, you would think this guy went to seminary, right? Nah, that wasn't the path God had for me. When I was in school, being here this morning was not in my plans. What, what I was thinking about doing, I mean, I love God. And I liked being able to invite my friends for, for church and things like that. But I did not have any desire to be an evangelist. I didn't have any idea that I want to be on stage up here. Had no 
qualms. No, no real reason I would ever want to be a pastor or anything like that. Certainly wasn't looking at full-time vocation within the church world. And I'm still not, by the way. I'll fill that in later. But, you know, that was not the path I had. It wasn't you go to elementary school. We had back then middle school, high school. And then I went to college, got my seminary degree. Then you come out, and the path is, for some of you religious folks that know this, you become the youth pastor, who is basically the gopher. Unfortunately, David's not here to enjoy this day, David. Instead, But the youth pastor is the gopher of the church. He's just hoping that one day he, that he performs and, and, and does well enough that one day he will be the pastor so that he has a gopher of his own. That's kind of the way the system works. We don't like that here, so we don't make David our gopher. Uh, one, often the, the gopher, I mean youth pastor, is also the worship leader because, hey, you get two things for one paycheck. You know, one of the things we're looking at is we need some more musicians on stage. We'd like to fill our band out. So I'm going to be sending David for guitar and vocal lessons. He doesn't know that. No, that's not David's role. David's our youth pastor. He does a great job with our middle and high schoolers, him and Stephanie. They're our youth pastors. That's, that's their path. But going back to that, no, I didn't want to become the youth minister and work my way up the ranks. So I became, what interested me, I became an engineer. I like how things work. I like electronics. I like gizmos. I like mechanics. Those are the things that I really enjoy. So I decided I would become an engineer, and I did that. You know, I was able, through through my superior intellect, I believe, I was able to take that four-year program, squeeze it into about seven years, you know, I, I really worked hard on it. I got through all those horrible math classes that, you know, Bruce is sitting over here laughing at me, Mr. Math Genius, I'm sure. You know, some, some people go through through this and they love those classes. That's part of what shapes them is that I love math. The only math I have any real use for is if it relates to cubic inches in a car, dimensions on a building, or my checking account. Those are, that's math. You know, how many of y'all, that's math for you? Yeah, you know, that's, that's what I really, trig and... You know, you'll really be using that calculus out in your career. I still haven't found a use for that. Some of you guys may have found that. But I went into the field as an engineer. Became an engineer. I've actually been at my company for almost 26 years doing various engineering works. And that, that kind of spread out. I'm not the type of engineer that you think about is sitting here with pencil and paper designing gizmos and whatnots. And I'll, I became the youth pastor of our company. I became the gopher. I became the engineer that if you don't want to do it, give it to Scott. He'll do it. You know, I've, you know, we don't want to really do this. This may offend somebody, and we don't want the guys in the plant mad at us. So we're going to give you this project. Here, have fun. That's how I became an engineer in the company I'm at. Was I did the things the plant manager didn't want to do for whatever. But, you know, I've enjoyed it, and, it, and I've grown in that aspect. I, I not only have an engineering degree, I have... A, a good business background because I was on a student contract and I needed more, more business classes. So those helped form my life as well to know what management and marketing and those things look like. And those are really things I enjoy more than engineering a lot of the time, you know, numbers and gizmos and mechanics and new technology. I like that stuff, but it gets old after a while, but I love trying to sell things. I love trying to market things. I love, Love some of that. We're going to see some of my artistic abilities here in a minute, I hope, that, that are going to shine through. But all these things have formed me to where I am today. It wasn't some great path that God set me on that you're going to go to seminary and you're going to become a pastor and things. This simply came together through me being involved with a pastor in a church where I was at and seeing that I had friends who I knew were on the outside of the church circle. And they were having difficulty breaking in to that circle. And I thought... There needs to be a church somewhere where my friends can come as they are and feel that they're comfortable in church, not be made fun of, not be looked down upon. I know their hang-ups and habits and hurts and things. They're not perfect Christians. I'm not a perfect Christian, but there needs to be a place like that to worship. And so that's kind of where journey is formed from. That was also Mark Love's vision. A, a mutual friend of ours who's a pastor here locally introduced us to each other. He said, you guys have a lot in common. Now, I don't know if he knew that Mark and I would partner together and form a church or not, but, you know, our lives. Here's Mark. Mark, you know, is the opposite of me. I don't know. Has anybody noticed that? It's kind of like the, you go to the odd couple church. You know, you got Felix and Oscar on stage some days. You know, we're very different. But we love it because the one, if you had one personality and it was Mark Love and Scott Pollard rolled together, 
They'd be in a mental institute somewhere. I mean, that would be so schizophrenic. It'd be like, you know, it's like this person has multiple personalities. They're so opposite, you know, but, but we brought this together. Our unique characteristics. I tell Mark, he's the student in the bunch. I have no desire to go back to school. I would love to get a little more experience in some specific areas, maybe, but it's not me. I don't want to go back to school. Mark, I kid him. He has more degrees than a thermometer. He, you know, Mark is the educated one. But if you want to talk intellectual, educated theology, go to Mark. If you want to talk about how stock car racing relates to, you know, relates to religion, you come see me. But, but it's cool. I love that relationship that Mark and I have that we're so different. You know, it is funny. You will see people bring guests into church. And depending on their personality and their guest personality, they will direct you to one or the other. Guys, I'm sorry if you got directed to me. It may be, you know, I don't know how that relates to your personality. But it's just the way God used my life. And, and saying all that is he created all these crazy things together. Would you believe that building model cars and things like that brought me to the pulpit at Journey? Does that make any sense? How, how did God know that a young guy's, you know, building model cars and the craftsmanship that went into that would make him a pastor? It's crazy. You've got to be a character to be able to figure that one out. Well, what happened was I've had this passion for automobiles and racing and things like, like that from my youth. My dad's a huge racing fan. We love that kind of stuff. I'm even more broad than him. He likes NASCAR. I like road racing. I like dragsters. I like everything that's mechanical and fast, even motorcycles. Uh, Bruce can relate to this being a motorcycle guy and Dale back here, the Isle of Man. Just watching those guys ride those bikes through those streets, that's fantastic. I love that stuff. I've loved it since I was a youth. So one of the things that I've always been involved is, is in cars and building cars and restoring cars and making them faster. You know, if you have a car and you haven't at least changed the wheels on it, you're not a car guy. You know, you've got to at least do that. And Mark's laughing over here. Mark's a car guy, too. You'll notice him. You know, he's over here in the parking lot. Dieter, do you know this? He's already looking and saying, you know, I like this car, but it's got a little too much chrome on it. I wonder if I could change that. Now, Dieter's shaking her head. She knows. Mark's a car guy, too, one of our common grounds. But God used that. And while I was attending the church, we were trying to come up with an idea of how one of my friends who was outside the church, we could reach him. We wanted to reach him with the gospel. This is always part of my testimony if I tell it. This friend of mine would not come to church. He wasn't interested, but he loved cars. So we decided we would have a car show at the campus of the church as a neutral meeting ground so that this guy could come, meet some of our friends, and perhaps get introduced that church is not the weird, icky thing that he thinks it is. Fortunately, this friend of mine passed away before we had that opportunity, died in a horrific car crash. Fitting sounds like a movie, doesn't it? It sounds like the movie where you tell the story, kids don't drive fast, you wind up like this. Well, he did. I wouldn't even ride with him. He was that crazy. But he lost his life in a car crash. But we continued on with that car show. And with that car show, we decided, what is the biggest car show in town each year that has the most traffic in it? It's World of Wheels in Chattanooga every year. Man, there's thousands of guys like us that go through there so we decide we'll put a booth in there advertising our hot rod show it's perfect so we went down there i've met some friends is kelly here gene the kelly didn't make it this morning i met our friend kelly back here in relationships i wouldn't know richard if it wasn't for that car show i mean it's funny how these things all span out but again in, in building this character we decided to do this decided there needed to be a chapel service that morning. It's always on Sundays, and some people miss church, so we thought we would do a devotional thing. And that's where I started my experience on the road to being a pastor was at that chapel service. You know, we started doing that. The promoter got wind of what we were doing. He said, oh, no, we're not going to charge you for a booth anymore. I didn't know you were Christians and doing this. Here, you get a free booth, and, and also make sure you do the chapel service. Then it expanded into, hey, I've got car shows in other cities. Would you come do the chapel service for me in Birmingham, which I'll be going to next week. Been doing that for 13 years now, I think. And it's, it's wonderful to see the way God has blessed in that. But I got my comfort in speaking to people and knowing that I can use my uniqueness to relate to an audience that maybe somebody else can't. Each one of you guys this morning are like that. You can use your uniqueness to reach an audience that perhaps I can't, Mark can't, anybody else can't. 
You know, you've got Mark and I, you've got the two personalities up here. You've got the, the Felix and the Oscar. But what if we need somebody else? What if we need another personality in there? Well, I can't modify mine enough to reach those people, and neither can Mark. And we're only two people. Each of you needs to be looking at how you use your personalities and how your uniqueness can do those things. But, you know, look at this. One of the things I think is that also, you know, that's a pretty positive story. But the other things that, that happens, you know, is that as we go through life, God's the master builder. And he continually tweaks our design to make us look more like his son. We're supposed to be becoming more Christ-like as we go through things. And as we do that, God tweaks that design. And I think one of the ways he tweaks that design is through trials. Sometimes it's the trials in life that shape us. As I've become the, the pastor here involved more with our recovery ministry, I have found that trials greatly, greatly impact the lives of people. More so than any of you realize this morning that are sitting here. <clears throat> there are people sitting here this morning that have horrible struggles that you don't realize. It may be financial, it may be marital, it may be alcohol, it may be drugs. Likely, it's all four of those at times. Think about that. And those struggles form who you are. And I like this... This quote here from Deepak Chopra, it says, All great changes are preceded by chaos. Sometimes our chaotic life, those things that get thrown at us, shape who we are. That's one of the things that I've noticed. Um, we, we've taken our, our former ministry that we did on Friday nights and moved it to Wednesday nights. It allows those that have children to have a children's program that coincides with parallel with our ministry. But we decided to name that program chaos management because that's what our lives are often they're chaotic there's things thrown at us we don't know how to handle there are things thrown at the people we love and they don't know how to handle it and that's what that whole ministry is about is how to manage that chaos but the great thing is in that churning chaos and those things change is being brought about in our lives there are things that are changing for us look at this verse from romans it says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. These trials that we have oftentimes, you know, the, the trials are what shape us sometimes. You guys, you know, I'm sure you're, you're anxious because we, we've been doing all this fun painting stuff. And you're thinking, what is Scott? Is it going to be a hot rod, something? No, I'm going to try and, and give my own spin of what we've been doing here. You know, look, look down front there while I'm doing a little prep work. You're getting my colors together. Um, if you'll look down there in front of the stage, you'll see some of our interpretations of, of what life's canvas looks like. We have, we have the things, and I'll apologize. I was in kids when... Whoever did the thing that looks like a crime scene down here. Was that Mark? <laughs> yes, we have the, the body outlined on the floor. Not sure what this one is. This one, it appears the Incredible Hulk came through the middle of the canvas. And, you know, ah, I'm Hulk. This is a beautiful landscape. Who did this one? Was that Aaron? Good job, Aaron. Yours actually looks somewhat like art, uh, as opposed to the rest of our efforts. You know, this is, you know, this is not, a, not the thing for artists, but, you know, as God shapes this canvas of our life, I'd like for you to look at a little video here just, just for some fun and a little, little bit of a time-killing thing, I guess, to, to see what, what's what. Let's, let's see what we can. Sean, pull our video up time. there. As I, let's use the fan brush. There's our friend Bob Ross. Pulling it through some titanium white. We'll add some or bright red to that, too. There we go. You don't know how hard I look for an Afro wig like that. There we go. Just a lot of paint on my bristles. Look a lot right of paint. A lot look of all the paint, paint on my bristles. bristles. Okay, let's go up here. Now, now, right up in here, we'll make a happy little cloud. Use just the corner of the brush. Oh, take the corner yeah. of that brush, brush. Corner, and okay. make tiny little circles. Now, these... You can make more delicate clouds than we did with a larger brush. You oh, see the side here. Delicate. He moves too fast. See he there? doesn't realize how fast this he paints. You know, he's like speed little, painter. Little shapes and little fluffy things. Fluffy things. There we go. We're not real fluffy okay. yet. And you ever seen those things layers. where monkeys and elephants and animals okay, like that paint? That's kind of the experience you're getting this morning. And just uh, barely touching. You want to yeah. blend the bottom okay. of this cloud out. Mm -hmm. 
Now, let me, I do not have fluffy clouds yet, so let's go up here. Don't touch the top at all. Don't touch now, the top. same as before, grab this and fluff it up. Fluff it up. beautiful little things that happen there. And then very lightly, very lightly. Very light. Just go across it. Okay, now then, a little bit more of the bright red. Ooh, I, ooh that's not titanium. good. titanium. Loading this brush back up again. Mm. Now maybe there's layers. If you make a mistake, you here. just put more of that color in Do there. One layer at a time. Finish this cloud completely before you start mm. this one. Art class was one of those things I failed miserably in school. I was. With, how many of y'all ever made sock right puppets? Anybody ever made sock Look puppets? We made sock puppets in. I think it was around world as you want. third or fourth grade. But my art teacher critiqued mine and said my sock puppet did not have enough personality. I'm not sure that has ever since then. I've kind of had a thing. I don't like art teachers um, because, you know, you're going to critique my puppet not having personality, lady. You know, I'll show you personality. You know, who, who's got that? But, yeah, we're, we're moving right along here. I'm still. And one of the things I want you to judge my, my artistic ability here on later is I'm not sure if my clouds are happy enough. So let me. They make them a little happy. That looks like mustard. That makes me hungry. You know, it is Super Bowl Sunday. We, we should actually have some some snacks of some sort, maybe some little mini corn dogs with the mustard and things like that. But, yeah, we'll, uh, let me just get this basic outline roughed in here, and we'll, we'll keep working on that. Uh, also, Bob, Bob there, Bob Ross, he's, he's famous for happy trees. I don't know if I'm going to have time to get the happy trees in here as well. Um, we may just have to do with, well, I don't know if that even looks like a happy cloud. That's kind of kind of looking like a... Hey, Mark, how important is this black rug up here? <laughs> I didn't think about that because um, I probably should have put a tarp down. Um, maybe, a, maybe a very large tarp. You know, this is... Let's let me get this. Boy, it's hard to fill in this part right here. Whose easel is this, too? It's kind of trash, too, now. <laughs> Not sure whose that is, where we borrowed that. Uh, I don't think they'll take it back at Michael's now if that's where we got it, though. It's kind of used. All right, I'm getting there. We're getting, getting some good things going there. But, you know, using your unique character. Bob Ross. Is that guy not a character? But when that came in, I heard chuckles from the audience. People my age. Bob Ross was on on Saturday morning. How many of you had a mother or dad that aspired to be Bob Ross? They watch that and they're thinking, oh, oh, Bob there. Now he can just take that and he'll get his palette together. You know, I think I want to do that. I'm going to take an art class because look here. Ooh. Happy little tree. Yeah, I can do the happy tree thing just like old Bob does. You know, ooh, looking good, looking good. Yeah, that's, ooh, that looks great from that side too. We may use that side eventually. But yeah, Bob Ross was a unique character. What could Bob Ross have done with that character? Could he have reached out to artists with the gospel? Could he have had an art class at his house once a week and said, hey, we're going to do the painting deal and we're going to talk about the gospel a little bit. Do you think he could have done that? I think he could have done that. You know, the one that gets me is that what is the new thing they do? Oh, where you go and you sample wine and you paint <laughs> or you do pottery. Now, I can tell you guys, that's a unique opportunity. And I'm not going to, if you don't have a trouble with alcohol, I'm not going to condemn you for having a glass of wine while you paint. I am still not sure. Well, after looking at this, maybe I need some wine too. Um, <laughs> you guys may actually need some wine to look at this and figure it out. Um, so my landscaping abilities aren't the greatest in the world here. But yeah, you know, you could, you could do something of that nature and use that as a, uh, a Bible study. Instead of, you know, we'll have happy clouds and happy trees and Bible that night. Anybody have a problem with that? Do you think that'd work? Hey, some of the guys, I don't think anybody's here today that's experienced that. I used to run a men's Bible study in my hot rod shop behind the house. Uh, we would go out there, we'd talk about cars and stuff, and then we'd crack open the Bible and we'd see, you know, what, what was what there, what, you know, what the Bible said. And it was a good neutral meeting ground where I could use my unique character to reach those. And that's where I kind of started to, to find folks that people were struggling in their lives. They, were had, they had things that they were experiencing that I'd never experienced, you know. There were things that were going on in their lives that I was kind of gleaning from their experiences and learning through those struggles they were making. But, you know, I'm looking at my canvas over here, and I think you'll be able to tell what it is, maybe. It's, 
The clouds still aren't happy enough, but, you know, we'll, we'll get, get by with that. But I like what Bob Ross says here. We don't make mistakes. We just have happy accidents. You ever thought that God can use some of those mistakes and accidents in your life to shape you? Maybe it was like I was talking earlier. Maybe you picked door number three and you think that's not the mate God intended. Maybe that's a happy accident. Maybe you're happier over here with door number three than you would have been with door number one. And God knows that. And he can use that, what you thought was maybe a mistake. And God can use that to shape you. You know, but all these mistakes shape our character. All these things shape who we are. And our unique character qualifies us to share the gospel in unique ways. Just as I've talked about this morning, some of having a Bible study in my garage, perhaps going to a chapel service somewhere and, and, and doing that as a, as a, as a courtesy to, to folks at a car show. It's cool because now some days we'll have a crowd probably half as big as this on a Sunday, which I think is great for people that are out away from their church and have the opportunity to come worship. But the cool thing is, is when you get there and you've got the person, I hope this don't squeal, Sean. I'm going to try and get far enough away that it doesn't. But you've got the guy, gal, person there. They're leaning up against the wall, trying to be inconspicuous, but they're listening. And you're thinking, there's something that God wants them to hear, but they don't want to come be involved in the main thing. But maybe... Those people that are on the fringe, fringe of society, fringe of church, that's who that always represents to me, is that person that maybe is not a part of a church, but they're curious about what church is. And we have such an open, inviting atmosphere at those shows, they can come to that. Have you guys ever wondered why we have an open, inviting atmosphere here? Doesn't matter what you look like, what you dress like, what your race is, what your music preference is. And not that we're trying to please everybody, but we want to have some variety in life. All these things are important. You know, some of the things I enjoy, we were talking with, with uh, it was actually in, in this morning, uh, be praying for Danny Burns' family that he lost his brother last week and be praying for Danny. But we were at the funeral home talking, and I think it was with his brother Steve we were talking. Steve is a white guy that pastored an entirely black church. Okay, that has got to be funky. And he's telling me, he said, I didn't know what to do. He said, and it's not because we're different because of our races. It's our worship style. And I experienced that one day. I was doing a chapel service, and this little lady, she was with the cleaning service that worked at the convention center. And she had a break time. She thought, well, I'll go sit down on Sunday. I miss my church. Oh, my goodness, she liked to scare me to death. I wasn't used to that. She's not like y'all sitting there, and every now and then I get a laugh or a grunt or maybe a wave or something. She's like, you preach it, brother. And I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? You know, it's a unique experience. And I, but all these things, I got to experience something different there. And it, and it, it made my, my character more unique. But here's the most important part of these verses that we're sharing this morning is from Acts. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God sends us and our unique gifts out into the world in order to spread the good news. That's the whole purpose of you come in here on Sundays is not only to worship, but for us to some way equip you, equip your children so you can go out into the world and be a witness and tell them what Jesus has done and what he's done for you. That's what all this boils down to. So we have all these, notice the different areas in this verse. It talks about Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. It starts locally and spreads globally. Okay, you got that? We do ministry like that. We have ministry that's here. We have some that reaches into the United States. And we have ministries that are around the world that Journey participates in so we can, can fulfill what's called the Great Commission here so that we can do these things and spread the gospel throughout the world. Spread the good news. The good news that Jesus died in our place on the cross between two thieves. He died, paid the penalties for the things we've done wrong in life, the things we, where we've not lived up to God's standards. He was crucified, buried, and rose again. That is the good news. If anybody ever asks you what the good news is and the gospel is, that is the gospel. Gospel meaning good news, that's it in a nutshell. That's very easy to remember. It's very easy to look at that. But we're here to spread that good news, and we do that in different ways. We've got small groups here. Guys, if you're not in a small group, I encourage you 
to look at one of the small groups here and get involved. That is one of the best ways to, to provide encouragement to each other, spread the gospel, spread the good news, learn about Christ, share your burdens, all those things. My, my personal small group, Chaos Management, we meet on Wednesdays at 6.30. You're invited to join that. You don't have to be an addict. You don't have to have an addiction background or anything like that. You just have to be one of those that enjoys supporting people who struggle. Or maybe you're a person that struggles that needs support. And it can be anything, marital issues, issues with kids, parents. How many of you have issues with your children? Mary, you don't have to raise your hand. I can see them right here. You know, how many of you have that? Yeah, Leslie's going, yeah, amen, preach it, Scott. She's going to get up there and be saying the preach it thing in a minute. No, people do. We, we struggle. One of the things we found here at Journey is there's also a struggle with grandparents raising children i know lots of people they're separated a generation from the folks they're 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 trying to raise and that's a common thing so all those things come in we we really kind of specialize in the chaos management there's other groups here you guys can check out i'm just trying to promote mine i've got a few minutes so rather than just stand up here and say i'm just have to i'm just here because i don't want to get fined i'm going to promote my brand this morning so just so you'll know that i'm promoting my brand a little bit and what i do here but yeah they, they did this. But here's the important thing, again, from Acts. It says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in, the home, in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. One of the things that we notice here is they met beside just on Sunday morning, guys. How many of you have ever heard the term or been accused of this in a negative uh, top way of being a Sunday morning Christian. That's something that I think is particular to the South. You're just one of those Sunday morning Christians. You go and you go to church on Sunday and then you live the way you want to live the rest of the week. Well, heck, most of us do. Come on, get real. Most of us do not have the same face on that we do Sunday mornings, etc. It's human nature, guys. Don't, don't, don't think anything about it. If you run across me and I don't look like this, unfortunately, our business dress code will not allow us to dress like this. I think it's silly. I don't think it makes any difference. But, hey, I go with what they say because they do what? One of the things that I like about math is they sign my paycheck. So, hey, we do what they say. But it doesn't define who I am by the way I'm dressed or anything else, guys. What defines me is my relationships with the Lord and my relationships with those around me. And that's what I want to encourage you to do is to start looking outside of just what it looks like on Sunday mornings. You know, our lives are defined by more than how we worship once a week. You know, we get so hung up on the once a week worship thing, we even have people that argue about whether you should worship on Saturday or Sunday. And it's a big divide. And which day should you worship? I don't think God was that concerned about the days as he was our heart's attitude when we did it. You know, if you want to come and worship today with us, that's fantastic. But what I want you to encourage you to do is to start taking the spirit that you feel in this place on Sunday mornings and using that in your lives Monday through Saturday. Use it at the ball field. Use it at the office. Use it wherever you're at. It's not all about the Sunday morning experience. But the reason we have this open Sunday morning experience for people is so they can come and meet in a place and not feel threatened, intimidated, or judged by it, okay? That's the reason Journey exists. You can bring your friends here on a Sunday morning, and if they don't feel welcome, I want to know about it. Mark wants to know about it. We want to know if we did something that, that well, maybe not offended you. I'm really good at that. If I heard that, that'd be trouble all the time. But, you know, not so much that we offended you, but if we were impolite, if they didn't feel welcome, if they had questions that weren't answered you know but we want this to be an open welcoming environment this is what um, andy stanley kind of calls the front door of the religious experience you know you get in here this is you're standing on the front porch kind of here then you move to the to the living room you know how many of y'all have guests at home sometimes do y'all ever have does anybody still have that formal living room Almost all of us that grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s, you had that formal living room with all the nice furniture in it. You know, you come in the front door and you got that, and nobody's allowed to use it. No, that's the living room furniture. You can't go in there. Don't use it. My grandmother had a living room that I bet it didn't have 10 minutes of butt time on any seat in it because nobody could use that living room at, at Mamaw Flory's house. You didn't use that. That was only used it maybe at Christmas, somebody said in there, and don't take your punch in there you'll spill it on the living room furniture and the next guest that we don't allow to sit there will be offended 
Hey, that's the way it worked. You had your living room. But where do your intimate conversations at home happen? Where, where does most of your, your family conversations happen? Not so much now, but it used to be around that kitchen table. That's the, that's the inner, inner sanctum of, of your home where you talk about what went on during the day and stuff. Now, you know, now it's a little more difficult because, because that inner sanctum has moved to rolling a window down, ordering through a window, and everybody puts their iPods back under and we throw food back in the car. Hey, we're on our way. Y'all get it. You know, hey, some of y'all laughing. I've seen you on the way here at times. I've seen, you know, I've seen Chick-fil-A wrappers and stuff flying in your car and you know, doing all that sort of thing. But hey, we live in a little faster-paced lifestyle now, so we have to adapt for that. But we still need that kitchen experience with people we love and people we want to influence and people we want to share life with. We still need that experience in our lives, and we need that more than once a week, and we need to be able to share that good news with them. That good news, again, Jesus died for our sins. It's all summed up in John 3.16. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I mean, we, we can all use our unique experiences this week as we go out into the world. You know, you can talk about things. You can talk. What's going to be one of the big water topic coolers tomorrow, uh, water cooler topics tomorrow around the, around the kitchen there at work? What's everybody going to be talking about? Commercials from the Super Bowl, exactly. You know, you can, you can kind of make a conversation with people and say, yeah, I watched that Super Bowl. What do you think about the Budweiser and the puppy? I'm so tired of the Budweiser puppy. You know, that's just, that's a, that's a daggum chick flick made into a Budweiser commercial. That's what that is. That's not for real men. Real men don't care about puppies and stuff like that unless they've got one they're trying to get a date with him. You know, that's why, that's why men have puppies and stuff around. Yeah, some of you guys that are single are laughing and thinking, I could go buy a puppy. Um, but yeah, that's, talk about those things. You know, talk about sports events. Talk about entertainment. Talk about news. All those things are conversation starters. You don't have to go into the, the kitchen there by the water cooler tomorrow and say, let me tell you what Jesus did in my church yesterday to a non-church person. Come on. Do you think they're going to be interested in that? They're going to be thinking, I thought he was going to talk about the puppy. I don't want to talk about Jesus this morning. That's awkward. And it is awkward sometimes the way we present ourselves. So you, you need to remember those things where you can find common ground and use your unique character as God would have you use it. I thoroughly enjoy being unique. I kind of, I'm kind of comfortable in that skin. Yeah, you know, there's there's some things that make me uncomfortable, and it's usually things that that you know go more towards Mark's character. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Those things that where you're expected to dress up, act right, maybe not even be yourself, be quiet, whatever. You know, you may not believe this, but really, my personality is naturally to be an introvert. I'm sure you can tell on stage that. No, seriously. Sometimes I would rather go home, bury myself out in my shop working on a motor, do something than be around people. So sometimes it's a struggle for me. Sometimes I have to realize that about my own character, that I have to get outside my comfort zone a little bit and go and be with people. If it's people I know, man, I'm at home. I love it. If it is a group of people I do not know, it is a draining experience. How many of y'all have that experience? You know, we always talk about small groups, and your worst thought is, I'm going to go be with a bunch of people I don't know, don't have anything in common with, and I'm going to be absolutely drained instead of blessed by the time I'm through. You just need to work your way through and find the group where you relate to people in it. And I'm not going to tell you, the dumbest thing I've ever seen any church do is they went, and for their small group program, they took, and they took people that had absolutely nothing in common and said, we'll put them all together into small groups so that they'll bond. That was the biggest train wreck you have ever seen. You know, I'm sitting next to this lawyer, and all I can think about is what time the race starts, and he's not interested in that. I could care less about the law unless one of my buddies needs him to get him out of jail. You know, so you know, we have these things, but be unique. Use your unique personality. Now, today, as, as we close out, I want you to see, I have taken my unique interpretation on art. You know, my fluffy clouds, my fluffy clouds aren't, aren't fluffy. You know, but but I really hope, Mark. Do we have any really little? Yeah, we don't have a real little brush, so I don't know. Let me practice real quick with this. Try not to make a mess. No, I can't sign. If any of you guys would like to buy this print later, I will autograph it. I'll sign it down here in the in the in the thing. Uh, a quick story: my my online Twitter handle is Rev Scotty. 
Do you know how that came about? My smart aleck children did that. <laughs> I was doing an Awana thing one day for a friend of mine's church as I was beginning to be a public speaker and things. Of all things, he puts me the speaker for their Awana banquet. Now, guys, there's only one thing worse than an Awana banquet. That's a, a, a thing, a kid's sports program for, for kids within church. The only thing worse than that is to do one where you don't have a kid involved in it, okay? It's like going to an awards banquet, and my kid's not even playing the sport. So I'm, I'm involved in this, and by the way, they gave me the microphone at 12 p.m. They were supposed to get out at 12 p.m. It was a bad experience. I didn't like it. But the Reverend Scotty thing comes up because my good friend David knew, knew who I was, knew my personality and everything. He put in their church bulletin, the Reverend Scott Pollard. And I'm like, dude. And he said, I knew that'd get you. And then so ever since then, the girls have called me Rev Scotty. And I thought, I kind of like that. That's my character. I'm like Marshawn. Man, that's my brand. I'm the Rev Scotty brand. If you don't like it, that's okay. I'll just stand up here and I won't talk for 45 minutes next time. But seriously, you know, use your uniqueness, use your personality. How many are anxious to see the, the portrait over here? Yeah. So some of you couldn't wait. Leslie couldn't wait. Cheeto stealing lying thing. She she couldn't wait to see it. She came up here and looked earlier, but but here is my interpretation. Yeah. And and actually now actually there is a spiritual part of this. You're thinking, okay, he is really reaching this morning. He's gonna make this spiritual. But Karen came up with this this morning. I, I hate she's not in here to get to see this because I'm gonna give her full credit for this. She said, you know. Sometimes our lives are unique, and sometimes we just need to send the bat signal up and let God handle it for us. That's the best. I worked all week on this, and she comes up with, hey, you could use that as the bat signal. But really, and thanks to Allison, she helped me put a few points on here to outline that so I didn't make it look. It would just look like a black blob. if I. <laughs> you know, but that's my artistic ability. But guys, as the band comes up, uh, Winnie Richards, you come up to, to close us out in, in worship. Guys, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for, for your attentiveness. But the, the main thing I want you to leave with here today is I hope you're encouraged to go out of here and realize it's okay to be me and it's okay to be me and share the gospel and who I am. So let's, let's bow and pray. Father, I thank you for this diverse audience that's here listening to us this morning, Lord. I thank you for all our guests that are here, maybe their first time, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can be ourselves and share what we know about your son, Jesus, and his forgiveness and the good news that lies within that. And I encourage everyone here today, man, woman, child, whoever it is, teenagers, to be unique and use your own personality to go out into the world and spread the gospel as we're commanded to, to be yourself and, and find people you can relate to and share life struggles with them, but mainly to share, as Karen said, the bat signal, who to call upon when you really need to find out what life's all about. Uh, this week in the funeral, uh, Danny's brother Steve said, Jesus, that's the one thing our brother got right was his relationship with Jesus. And I hope that's the one thing today you take is to get your, your relationship with Jesus. Put that first and foremost, get it right, and be able to share it. And, Lord, we just pray all these things in your precious son's name. Amen.